0: Psalm 115 And I'm going to just read three verses to get us get us started Psalm 115 Starting at verse 1 Not to us O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness Why let the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. Let's pray. Father, you are God. You are alone God. And I pray that as we spend just a few minutes this morning looking at your word, that you would again open our eyes to the God that you are and what pleases you, what gives you pleasure, and how we can please you. So Father, I ask that you teach us and that you just bless this time for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may sit down. What gives you genuine pleasure? Is it reading a good book curled up in your favorite chair? Hiking on a scenic mountain trail alongside a glacier-fed stream? That might be my wife's. Savoring a gourmet meal at McDonald's. I I mean at your favorite restaurant, fancy restaurant. Sitting and visiting with a good friend with steaming hot mugs of coffee or tea. Conquering the 32nd level of your uh, favorite video game. Catching the winning pass in a flag football game, or making the winning basket in a pickup basketball game. Just listening to music on your iPod. Turning a new trick on your board at Skate Land. Uh, maybe a spontaneous pillow fight or a wrestling match, not in church please, (laughs) eating s'mores on a cool summer night around a crackling campfire, what gives you genuine pleasure? Now, as you're thinking about that, I want you to think about another question in relation to God. In the same way, what do you think would give God pleasure? What what would give God pleasure? I don't know. Do you think Jesus told jokes with his disciples? I'm not going to answer that question. Do you think Jesus had uh, spontaneous pillow fights with his disciples? Or wrestling matches? What do you think, (laughs) Justice? What what gives God pleasure? Do, Do you think Jesus enjoyed just laying out under the Galilean sun... At night, telling you know horror stories, you know, like you, know, like some of us do, you know, in tents when we're out camping at night. What gives God pleasure? Is it the same thing that gives us pleasure? What is it that gives God pleasure? Do you think Jesus uh, teased his younger stepbrothers? Uh, those are the kind of questions I think about (laughs) what gives God pleasure what pleases him I mean think about it the almighty holy great God of the universe unlike us what pleases him well, we do know from the verses we just read, right, that God can do whatever he pleases. And that's a pretty amazing statement, isn't it? Our God is in the heavens, and he does whatever he wishes. And when I read that verse again this morning, it just made me very thankful that that verse isn't applied to us. <laughs> that we can't do whatever we please But God does. Whatever he pleases, he does. That'd be pretty scary if it was us. But what is it then that gives gives God pleasure? The God that can do whatever he pleases, what pleases him? Now, you might be wondering, why is it important that we ask these questions, that, that we understand this about God? Let me ask you, what would it tell me about you if I knew what gives you pleasure? Well, I think it would help me to really understand and know what makes you tick and what really matters to you. And and as a result, I think it would tell me if I please you or if you're just putting up with me, you know, when we're hanging out. It would also help me to know how I could please you if I know what gives you pleasure. You know, I believe that we're far too easily pleased. And as a result, we expect the same from God. We kind of have this attitude, well, I'm doing the best that I can. And we expect God to be pleased with that. You ever, you ever think that way? I'm I've had people tell me that. I'm just doing the best I can. And the inference then is, well, because I'm doing the best that I can, that you should be pleased with that and God should be pleased with that. Is God pleased with the best that we can? What pleases God? If you had a a rebellious child... Now, this will be hard for some of you who are single, maybe, but just imagine it. If you had a child, and that child was rebellious, and in the midst of their rebellion, they came to you and they were all excited about something that they had accomplished, would you find pleasure in their accomplishment? What they accomplished in the midst of their rebellion against you? Would you be pleased? I don't think so. Supportive. I mean, happy for their accomplishment, if it was a significant accomplishment. But not, not able to be pleased, because, not if you desire more for them than just mere worldly achievements and accomplishments. So that's our subject this morning. If you haven't figured it out yet. What is it? that gives God pleasure and why does he find pleasure in the things that he does? And my hope is that as a result of looking into God's word this morning and asking what is it that pleases God and why is it that it pleases him that it will give us a, a, <laughs> just another glimpse into the heart of God what really makes God happy what really pleases him and as a result we will become people that please God more. So grab your Bibles. We're going to look at a sampling of verses that talk about what pleases God and then why these things please Him, and then we're going to kind of sum it up. Okay? First, turn with me to Psalm 104.31. Psalm 104.31 page 461 in this bible psalm 104:31 listen it says may the glory of the lord continue forever the lord takes pleasure in all he has made that's the first thing we see what is it that gives god pleasure his creation all he has made and we see that in, as we read in in Genesis chapter 1 don't we as day after day it describes what God has made and how does each day end it says the Lord saw that it was good and he, and he comes to the end and he looks at everything that he's made and he says ah, very good and the Lord takes pleasure in all that he has made it's kind of like us, isn't it? Don't we, when we make something, we're kind of proud to show it off. We take pleasure in what we have, what we've made. Same thing about God. It says, number one, God takes pleasure in what He has made. Okay. Psalm, I mean, excuse me, Matthew chapter three. You're going to have to remember all these because we're going to kind of add them up and then we're going to come back to them. Matthew chapter three, page seven thirty-five. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven, the Father's voice says, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. And the word is pleasure, pleasure. As Jesus submits himself to the baptism of John and he comes up out of the water, the voice from heaven, the Father's voice says, oh, This is my son. I love him. And I'm pleased with him. We see the same thing, just flip to Matthew 17, just a, a few chapters later. Matthew chapter 17, page 748. Matthew 17, verse 1, it says, As Jesus takes Peter and James and John up onto a high mountain alone, it says, As the men watched, verse 2, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And just for a few moments here, Jesus gives his disciples a glimpse of who he really is in all of his glory. He's transformed. He's just in verse 3, and it says suddenly Moses and Elijah appear and they begin talking with Jesus. And Peter says, God, this is great. Lord, this is amazing. Maybe I could make three little you know cabins and and, and one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and we could just turn this into a kind of a perpetual retreat. Verse five, again a voice from heaven comes as a bright cloud overshadows them and says the same thing. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great pleasure. And God in his graciousness didn't say, shut up, Peter. I mean, can you imagine in the middle of this amazing display of Jesus' glory, Peter chooses to talk instead of just revel in what God finds great pleasure in his son. So God finds great pleasure in what he has made, creation, and God finds great pleasure in his son. Turn to Psalm 147. We're going to see something else. Psalm 147. Page 479. Psalm 147 and I'm going to read verse 10 and 11. It starts by saying what God doesn't take pleasure in. Notice it says, God takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. And You can almost think that that sounds contradictory to what we started with, that God takes pleasure in all that he has made. It's not saying God doesn't take pleasure in the horse and the human that he has made. It's saying he's not impressed by how powerful they are, because he's far more powerful. It's kind of like we see somebody who is in their strength and we're impressed by them because they're way more powerful than we are. Says, that doesn't impress God. What impresses God? What gives God pleasure? Verse 11, the Lord's pleasure or delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. What is it that gives God pleasure? A people who trust and obey him. A people who trust and obey Him. Look at 1 Samuel 15. It kind of reiterates this. Kind of back towards the beginning of your Bible. 1 Samuel 15. Page 222. 1 Samuel 15. Verse 22. On page 222. Wow, that's pretty... Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? What gives God pleasure? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. What is it that gives God pleasure? What he has made? His son? and a people who live in trust and obedience to him. Notice the contrast here. It says it's not your burnt offerings and sacrifices. If we were to put that into modern day terminology, it's, it's, it's not the fact that we all showed up this morning that pleases God, but it's what's going on in our hearts and our heads right now that gives or does not give God pleasure. A heart of obedience, a life of dependence is what gives God pleasure. One more thing, Isaiah 53, one more. And we come to this one because we're not always the people that trust and obey, are we? Or are you? Do you find that maybe you're a little rebellious sometimes and not always obedient? And so we're not always pleasing to God, are we? So because of that, we come to Isaiah 53, and a very important thing that pleases God. Isaiah 53.10, page 559. Notice, and this, is, this is a really a sobering one. It was the Lord's good plan, it says, It's the same word, pleasure. It was the Lord's pleasure, delight, to crush Him, meaning the Son. It was the Father's delight to crush the Son and cause Him grief. And yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. The fourth thing we see that gives God pleasure is the crushing of his son. Isn't that amazing? In order to restore a rebellious people on the cross back into a pleasing relationship with him. Wow not that amazing, what gives God pleasure? So those are what gives God... That's what gives God pleasure, just a sampling. But why? Why? Why do these things give God pleasure? Let's kind of start back at the top. Turn to Psalm 19.1, if you would, please. Psalm 19.1. As we try to understand why these things... Creation, the sun a dependent and obedient people, and the crushing of the Son. Why do these things give God pleasure? If you want to know God's heart, you've got to know what gives Him pleasure and why these things give Him pleasure. <coughs> Psalm 19, verse 1, page 421. This is about creation. Notice it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Now flip to Romans in the New Testament. If we look at one more verse about creation. You know, as we, as we flip around these verses, it almost, make, almost makes you wish that you had the order of the books memorized, doesn't it? So you could look them up quicker. Oh, that was just a little side. I could even teach you a song that helps you to learn them. You know, But I'm not going to sing it right now. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 20, page 857. Romans 1.20. Why does creation give God pleasure? Romans 1.20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see... His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Why is it that creation gives God pleasure? It's because creation reveals God's glory. Creation reveals God. It reflects God, and so it gives Him glory. Why is it that the sun? Gives God glory. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 1, page 920. And if you're really awake this morning, probably at least half of you are, you're going to begin to see a theme here. And I really, I want you to get this theme because it's really important if we understand what God gives God pleasure and why it gives Him pleasure. Hebrews chapter 1. Look at verse 2. I'll, I'll start at verse 1. Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of of God you see that why does the son give the father glory? why does the son give the father pleasure it's because the son is the exact image of the father the son expresses the glory of the father and so when the father sees the son the father says oh, this is my son I love him he gives me pleasure Turn to Isaiah 43.7, please. Isaiah 43.7. Page 550. Page 550. Why is it that a trusting and dependent and obedient people give God glory? Isaiah 43.7. Bring all who claim me as their God for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Why is it that a dependent and obedient and trusting people give God pleasure? It's because we are then a people who reflect His glory, reflect Him and represent Him as He really is. One more. Back to Isaiah 53, and then we're going to start summarizing it here. Isaiah 53, 10. I just want to read this verse again as it culminates this whole picture for us. Isaiah 53:10. It says, It was the Lord's pleasure... To crush the son and cause him grief, yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. The pleasure of the father in crushing the son on the cross was to bring back, to restore, reconcile a rebellious people to him and bring him glory. Okay? What pleases God? What pleases God? To put it simply, God finds pleasure in that which brings him glory. God finds pleasure, is pleased with that in what in that in which reflects himself. Now, the bottom line it, turn to Isaiah, you're almost there. Isaiah 42. This is a really important verse. Isaiah 42, verse 8. <clears throat> Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else. What does this mean? I mean, is this... It almost sounds like it's the attention-seeking insecurity of an emotionally needy cosmic being, Right? Like it says, I will not give my glory to anyone else. Is that what it is? I mean, this desperately attention starved cosmic being who says, Nobody else is going to get my glory. I'm going to keep it all to myself. I am the Lord. That's my name. I will not give my glory to anyone. What does it mean? It's the sovereign God of the universe finding pleasure, being pleased by that which alone will always give pleasure. Do you see that? you see that? If God's pleasure was dependent on me, if God being pleased was dependent on you or me, How often would God be pleased? Well, as often as I'm pleasing, (laughs) which isn't all the time. But if God's, what pleases God and what gives God pleasure is dependent alone on Him, who He is, then God will always be a God who finds pleasure. It's not that God is not wanting to share his glory with another because there are others worthy of glory, but there's no other that compares to him in glory. And if God were to share his glory with any other, what would he become? He'd become an idolater. Somebody sharing his glory with that isn't worthy of that glory. It would be God settling for or seeking pleasure in something inferior to himself. That's kind of the way we are, isn't it? So easily settling for secondary, passing, trivial pleasures instead of pursuing that which alone can give us lasting pleasure. If you turn with me to Proverbs 8, we're going to just read two verses here that kind of summarizes it. Proverbs 8, it gives a really neat picture. As we come to Proverbs 8, it personifies wisdom. It puts across, like makes wisdom a personal being. And it opening our eyes just a tad bit, I think, to the glorious pleasure that God the Father, God the Son, have always experienced from eternity and continue to experience together. Proverbs 8, verse 30. Listen to this. It says, I, and this is wisdom personified, and it's really a picture of Jesus, who in the New Testament is called the wisdom of God. It says, I was the architect at his side, I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. And how happy I was with the world he created. How I rejoiced with the human family. You get that picture? It's a neat picture. It's a neat picture of the father and son equally and co-eternally together. The father with the son. The exact image of the father. Eternally finding pleasure in one another's presence. I think sometime we have the idea that God wasn't happy until we came along. Uh, I think it's when we came along. that <laughs> This is the picture we get here. It's God the Father and God the Son, the exact image of the Father, equally, co-eternally, enjoying one another's presence together for eternity. That's pleasure. At some point in time, together creating the heavens and the earth and then humanity created in their image so that there might be a people who could share in their pleasure, not to give them pleasure, but to reflect their pleasure, their glory, us human beings. And so, God the Father and God the Son, in their eternal pleasure together, creating the heavens and the earth, and then us in their image, that we, with them, might be able to eternally enjoy, really enjoy. And then, when we, humanity, in our rebelliousness and disobedience, Turned away from God, choosing like Eve did in the garden, you know. Oh, I could be like God. I could, I could, independent of God, I could be somebody. And in our rebellion, going against God, disobeying, choosing other pleasures. God the Father and God the Son. Choosing a plan where the Father in his pleasure would crush the Son on the cross. So there would be a remedy for our rebellion and we could be reconciled, brought back into relationship with God and true pleasure. That's the picture. you get it? C.S. Lewis said, and and I'm going to just paraphrase, he said, our desires are pathetically weak. We spend our time and energy making mud pies when we could be enjoying a swank condo on Waikiki. We settle for passing pleasures like sex and money and possessions and drugs and position and importance and reputation instead of pursuing eternal pleasures, instead of pursuing God himself. what we accept as pleasure is pathetically weak. We're pathetically easily satisfied, pleased. And then the funny thing is, or the sad thing is, then we expect God to be pleased with our efforts, right? I mean, our best effort, we expect God to be pleased with our pathetically weak efforts. Romans 14, 23 says, Whatever is not of faith is sin. Think about that for a second. Think about it in in the words of the message this morning. Whatever is done in our own effort, apart from depending upon God, does not and cannot please God. That's what it says. If you are living in your own effort, apart from dependence and trust and obedience upon God then it's not good enough. It doesn't, and it can't please God because the only thing that can please God is what? God. God in you. God living through you. Us abiding in Him and Him abiding in us. The only thing that can please God is God. Us, a people dependent and obedient, reflecting Him to Himself. It's the only thing that can please Him. So what gives you pleasure? Is it what gives God pleasure? Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Find pleasure. Find your pleasure in God, and he will give you true pleasures. His pleasure then becomes our pleasure. Psalm 16 says that in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Do we believe that this morning? Do we? In the presence of the Lord, in relationship with God, is true pleasure. I think I've already said this a couple times, but... I'll say one more verse. Is that okay? Listen to this in 1 John. We proclaim to you, John says, the one who existed from the beginning. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. You get that? This is the John, one of Jesus' disciples, saying... We proclaim to you the eternal God, the Son of God. We we proclaim to you Him. He is life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen Him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that He is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then He was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that, you're, so that you may fully share our joy. Is that how you're living this morning? Fully sharing the joy of the Father and the Son, participating in their eternal pleasure? Is there... Pleasure, your pleasure. In Ezekiel eighteen twenty-three, God asks a question. And I am really closing with this. God asks a question. He says, does God delight in the death of the wicked? It's the same word, pleasure. Does God find pleasure when wicked people die? And the answer is very clear. Absolutely not. God doesn't find pleasure in the death of the wicked, but his pleasure is that they would repent and live. And I believe that is, as we come to the end of this This brief little study on what gives God pleasure. That's what I would challenge us with this morning is, is God pleased? Does he find pleasure in how you're living right now? Does he find pleasure in you? Or is it that we should repent, (laughs) turn from the passing fleeting things that we find so pleasurable and instead return to God as our pleasure and really live, really make pleasure. I think that's the pleasure of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes afresh this morning to see you to see you in all of your glory. All of your glory that created us. And, and then went to the cross for us. And redeemed us. And, and longs for us to be reconciled to you. To return to you that we might know pleasure. Father, open our eyes to see you. And be a people that longs to be in relationship with you. And know your pleasure In Jesus name amen